This is why we love racing in all its forms. That's King of Swing fighting though. Oh, he's a superstar, a champion pacer. Untapped holding on. What a win. Untapped from the Harrison Sandown Cup. The gold trip is brave. 100 to go. A leaf and a half emissary. Gold trip is going to win the Lexus Melbourne Cup. For the next hour, RSN is cracking the codes. And a very good morning to you all on this Boxing Day morning, hoping that you survived yesterday, probably still in a, a food coma, and um, a shout out to all those trainers, jockeys, strappers, stable hands, kennel attendants that have got up this morning and um, mucked out stables, clean yards and all the rest of it, because it just doesn't stop as it was the same yesterday, and um, we're back again, the team here at Cracking the Codes, Dan Malecki and Matt Stewart, good morning boys. Good morning, season's morning. greetings, how did you, uh, my, I've improved a lot in the last hour, what about you Matt? You're a bit sweaty. Oh, it's a warm day, but it was also a big day yesterday. What's the origin of the term Boxing Day? It's when I you, googled it. It's when you clean up all the boxes and no. things. No, Dan, when you, your when you open your presence and no, the, the Sean, boxing you like of the presents no. and you undo them. I googled it because I thought it had something to do with the Boxer Rebellion or something Is ridiculous. It charities. It's got to do with the tradition of the the wealthy mm. in England when they had stuff left over and that the day after Christmas they repackaged it for the poor. Ah, so you know everyone wins. Now, I've got a butt in here. You know how I gave you presents the other day. And we didn't give you any. You didn't give me any, but that's okay. I actually have another present for you both that I've been sweating on arriving, and I've got them right here. (laughs) One for you, Dan. Thank you. One for you, Matt. It's not a tie, is it? Well, you'll have to open them up. Really? On air? Yeah. And they arrived Saturday after the show, so I had to Is this from that bloke in Richmond who has those things he puts on his dogs? Well, you'll just have to open them up. Oh, socks. I'm a sock one. Oh, my God. Socks with Simone's (laughs) face on them. Oh, my oh you got to put this on the social. What an egomaniac, putting her own image on, 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 on stuff that's been worn by others. Well, they're going on your feet, so I don't know yeah. if that's a compliment or not. Yeah, yeah. Like well, we've been walking all over her for years. We may as well keep doing it. Hey, thank you, Simone. You're a gift giver. Right. Dan, do you feel any more guilty that we still haven't got Simone anything, yeah. other than our company? Yeah, a little which bit. Which is your priceless. presence is a present. Yeah. Hey, um, that's a classic. Well, that's wonderful. <laughs> that is a classic. I that is like wonderful. Them. So There's we've cleared, else. we've cleared up the origins of Boxing Day. Um, and I don't reckon, I reckon about 20% of our audience would have known the answer to that. Cause it's one of those things. Everyone every year goes, what the hell's Boxing Day all about? I thought it was cleaning up all the boxes and the paper and the mess from the day before. Well, you were half right. Half mm. right. Um, I had a really nice day yesterday, overindulged as always, but it was always, it's always a nice day where you, it's a free for all, isn't it? Where you don't have any guilt. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know about that, but I didn't. Desserts for breakfast is my thing. Maybe yeah, the next like morning like eight you different do. pavlovas and don't <laughs> even feel really uh, vaguely weird about doing it. So always remember, there's a different throat for dessert. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. You know when you just chocolate you can't really more, and someone says, "Oh, there's pavlova." Oh, okay. Oh, no a worries. little bit of that. Can I tell a funny story? Because I've we, we've got these. I'm not quite sure what uh, word to use for them, but. Um, <laughs> Very, uh, very memorable, uh, a, a gift. We won't forget this one, uh, with the socks with someone's face on it. But I'll tell you a funny story. There was, a fr- I can't mention names here because it just wouldn't be appropriate. However, um, I do know somebody that, uh, gave a gift to someone else of, uh, a photo of someone that they did not like. And the photo was put on toilet paper. So every time, <laughs> anyway, you can work it out there and let's just say, A, it was funny, but the person that received it still didn't think it was. Uh. Well, there you go. I just received a Christmas present. Um, Harry Coffey is our favourite, isn't he? We know that. 
Uh, you're gonna, and it's nil cup day today. Dan and Viandon's running, and this yep. is later on this morning. We're gonna cover off on these things. And Harry's, he said, "What do you want? I'm just trying to lose a bit of ham." So, so, so he's in the sweat box. So we'll have a chat to him a little bit later on. But um, in this hour, cracking in the gallops, the codes. in the cracking the codes hour, I'm looking forward to having a chat to my very good friend Andrew Payne. There's a lot Great of reasons story. to have a chat to Andrew Payne. One of them is that the, the Payne family annual Christmas bash usually ends up in a fight. So I want to, we want to get all the, the, the mail from Andrew Payne about the, the, the inevitable punch on between the Payne siblings at the annual barbecue yesterday and the great jockey switch, Dan, which you and I remember. And Simone, I know you've done a bit of research today. Is it the something? Twenty sixth, isn't it? Yeah, it was, um, was, was nineteen ninety six. Nineteen ninety six. You're right. Yeah. Wow. So. so what happened was it happened, and Andrew Payne. For listeners who don't know what we're talking about, just stay listening, and Andrew Payne will 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 tell the story of this amazing thing. Jason Patton was involved. Yeah, his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law well, at the time. Yeah. yeah. So or soon to be. Soon to be. <laughs> Um, and there was a massive mess up in a race, and it ended up in this Wild West sort of situation. And it was the where, feature race, the Christmas yeah, uh, stakes. Where jockeys ended up on other horses, mm. and the, our jockeys helped other jockeys, and it was quite theatrical. And Cogitate and Hong Kong Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good memory. Does that ring a bell? Uh, yeah. It does. And um, so it became this incredible event, and it was a little bit like the Sharon Chapman capturing uh, Bannerstrand, mm. almost accidentally at Warnable with that panorama, and what the hell have I got here? And it went... Viral global. So Andrew Flipovic, who really good mate of mine, Herald Sun photographer, was down at the, you know how the photographers used to be 800, 400 finished, Dan? And then it was printed in the, yeah. the papers. That was, we didn't have replays then. Our guide was the still photos from the, and I used to put the little and labels that, on. Did them. you put the, la- the names oh, on the guess top? Guess who of my horses? assistant was? Craig Hutchison. Ah. Back in the day. So one of us went one way and the other the other. Uh, in, as far as fame us. and fortune goes, Hutchie yeah, well, really took off. Yeah, but you're sitting here with Dan and Simone. Yeah, so. yeah so I drew yeah. the Surely your life's drawn So record, what happened was, was Flip, as we knew him, Andrew <laughs> Flipovic, took this amazing photo where he captured the various stages of the great jockey switch. And I remember going to his little unit at the time in um, Ascot Vale, I think it was, just near Flemington Road, and we sat down and said, like, what do we, okay, we've got something here that's unique. How do we commercialize it? And he had this big frame, you know, the elongated sort of frame photo. Oh. And we came up with the name of, we came up with the great jockey switch. That was the name we came up with. And then we had a little bit of, um, narrative below it. Um, but I still don't know to this day whether Flip was able to commercialize it or not. I kind of offered my little bit of assistance with a few bits of wording and so on, but, I'll have to get hold of Flip at some stage and say, did you make a fortune out of the great jockey switch or not? Because it was a bit unique. Sharon Chapman engaged in a bidding duel with the age and the Herald Sun over her images and shortchanged herself spectacularly, as it turns out. But uh, next week, I will come with the answer to the question of, did the great jockey switch image uh, change the life of Andrew Flippovich? Well, the title stuck, didn't it? The great jockey switch, we all referred to the great jockey switch. Well, that was a Stuart original. It just reminds me of the great bookie robbery. That was the inspiration. Yeah. Was was it had to sound a little bit like um, the Sting or the yeah. great bookie robbery yeah. or something like that? Great Australian bite. So, <laughs> quite perhaps, Dan. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to have a chat to Andrew Payne, who played his own role. Oh, I can't actually remember the sequence of events as to where Andrew started and ended up, but I knew he was all entangled Andrew, in the whole thing. Jason hit the ground. 
and the horse went. It looks on the vision like the horse went over him, but he'll be able. To Jason must have been on cogitate. He was in the red and white, and he fell off, came off. They bumped, fell off, and then Andrew got effectively catapulted into the saddle of the other horse. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to a deliberate jump. And I remember, uh, we'll, we'll take, talk to him, but I remember one uh, facet of it was how quiet the horse was that he landed on. The horse just didn't miss his stride. It didn't miss a beat. It just kept going. It happened that quick. If you weren't fixed on where it was, you, you probably would have missed it even if you were watching the race. Um, it's amazing, like, everyone's, and you can see a lot of it on YouTube and Twitter, when someone takes a photo of something and there's something inadvertently happening in the background. There was one where a woman accidentally uh, was the only person to capture the still image, and this is a bit ghoulish, uh, the still image of the assassination of JFK. There was all sorts of visual stuff, but only one still photo was ever taken, and it was a woman just standing there randomly and went click right at that moment. So In, a, in the days before um, iPhones and the like, yeah. where everybody's got that opportunity, mm. there'd only be a handful probably yeah, around. Exactly. Hey, uh, um, John Dunn, yes. we're getting him on this morning, He'll Daniel. He'll be uh, coming up very shortly. They're racing at Geelong tonight. They've got a good card, in fact, um, but uh, we're going to talk about that and also the Dax and Dash, which is the sausage dogs. People, I've heard them, Dash hounds, Daxons, sausage dogs. And Actually, I had a chat with uh, John about this a while ago because I've always been big on the, the dog day afternoon. You've, you've heard me talk about it because anyone that would take a dog out, the whole family can go, particularly if it's a place where the, you know, it's specific for the dog. So anyway, in this case, it's the Dachshund and Dash. They're coming from all over Victoria. The fastest uh, of the slow. Possibly. <laughs> Um, well, their bellies are up on the ground. They probably do. So it'll be a bit of fun. So this is at the 22nd of January meeting, which is a Sunday. Distance, be of, a... distance of the race? Oh, I don't know. We'll find out. With, it wouldn't uh, want with, to be more than about 50 metres. With, uh, with John. That's even a long way, 50 That'll take metres. them half an hour. They, yeah. they had them at Wagga earlier this year when I was at Echuca. Echuca Cup, so it was the Wagga meeting that was on that night. And um, it, it, it was a fantastic success, which is no surprise to me because anyone that's going to go there with their sausage dog, the, the whole family are going to go. So, I mean, it's, I think it's a great idea. Well done, John. So we'll have a chat to him in a moment about that. Uh, and there's a great uh, meeting tonight, Sale Greyhounds as well. There's actually four Greyhound meetings on today. It's a, a huge day of racing, Warnable, Ballarat, Shepparton and Sale. Can we watch the... all of them? Well, Shepparton, unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, I read a tweet before we came on air that um, there's no vision available for Shepparton, but there will be for Sale Cup tonight, no doubt. That's and, a big um, country cup, the Sale Cup, huge. isn't it? It's, it's huge. It's the only Group 1. I meant huge. I didn't mean big. I meant huge. Huge. Um, it's the only Group 1 country cup. Run it's a great spot too, isn't it? Metres. Like, it's a lovely place to be it watching is. the Greyhounds involved with their restaurant, their tabaret, everything the way it's set up. It's very cosy, very comfortable. And it's always the crowds they get there on Boxing Day night. I think last year... Was it last year? It might have 1,500 tickets were sold really, really quickly. Um, we'll hear more from Peter Johnston, the club manager there, later on in the show. He'll tell well, us about sale. I'm always fascinated by meetings strategically placed at the right place at the right time, like coastal towns and, uh, say, Stony Creek races over summer. Yep. Get a lot of people there. Woolamai, a lot of people there. Geelong, be interesting talking to someone from the club today about... Yes. We are now in, in, in holiday time, whether... There's a strategic win in putting a, a race meeting on on Boxing Day close to Torquay, Janjaka. They generally Janjuk get really good crowds there yeah. at Geelong meeting, as any and of the sale, country race Sale is on the way to Lakes Entrance and mm. all that. It's not hard to get to Bairnsdale or Sale from the coastal um, the lakes. Yeah. So that might be... It, it is interesting how... And sometimes you think 
Gee, they've missed an opportunity here by not having a meeting at this particular track at this time. So, well, interesting. I'm summoned to Geelong Trots tonight. Summoned? Well, I've got to go. I've been told we're going, Mum. Um, oh, is she in the pony trot pony again? Trot, her little pony trot posse apparently are all going. So they... That's their little Christmas get-together. Yeah. They're a little mafia, really, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. But, um, oh, I, we're going, Mum, we're going. I'll just wait and see. Make sure you've cleaned your room and done all the jobs that have been asked and we'll It's so obvious who's in charge down at the, the Fisher place. That's why there's so many arguments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's so one of the great mysteries of racing is uh, the relationship between Simone and her daughter, Darcy. So Keola was uh, famous. He wasn't a big horse um, and he had a throat operation earlier on in his career. And I think it was at a time where throat operations really hadn't um, proved their worth at the time. Horses had throat operations that had breathing issues. They often didn't work, but it did for Sokiola, and he won two in the Dominions. 28-9, the quarter along the back. Smooth Satin, nowhere to go. Jack Cade and Poltic Eagle are coming to the outside. They come to the top of the straight, and it's Sokiola. The Falcon Strikers under the whip to get to him. No run, Selby Bromack. Double identity, Jack Cade and Baltic Eagle down the centre. Sokiola in front. The Falcon Strikes gone. Double identity comes at Sokiola. Jack Cade joins in. A big finish, but Sokiola clings on. He's won. Two miracle miles, I meant to say. He won a few inter-dominion heats, but uh, he'd been a fabulous horse in the feature event tonight at the DevCon Sokiola Sprint Race 7 on a very good card. Outgoing CEO, I'm sad to say, John Dunn will be moving on from the Geelong Harness Racing Club uh, role, but he joins us this morning to talk about this very good meeting and also the the Sausage Dog Race uh, next month. How are you, JD? Good morning, Dan, Simone, and Maddie. And before we start, Dan, did you get your Chrissy card from Robbie Williams in the mail? Uh, yes, he did. He, uh, <laughs> he did. He, he sent, uh, uh yeah. he, he sent a, a token, uh, from, uh, the Christchurch Casino saying if I'm there before him, uh, to put it on number 19 on the roulette this, wheel. For listeners who aren't aware, this is an ongoing story <laughs> of Dan running into Robbie Williams, and it was almost like, Robbie Williams knew who Dan was, but Dan didn't know who Robbie Williams was. So, and John as well. So the card, Dunny, to Dan, does it say from Robbie Williams, does it start with, you may not remember me, but my name is Robbie. Uh, we, we had a fun night, and I know we've mentioned before on previous Cracking the Code show, but uh, the good thing about Robbie, he loves having a drink and he loves having a bet. And we had a fabulous night, didn't we, JD, with Robbie Williams, even though I didn't know who it was at the time. <laughs> But, yeah, well, neither did I, but he, he's got plenty in common with you and I, hasn't he? He loves a drink and loves a bet. So, yeah, uh, and he's, we, not, we, getting, we and he's not getting any younger. Uh, no. <laughs> N- neither any of the three of us. Hey, Dunny, what's the go with the sausage dog race? How, how long can you make a race for sausage dogs without, you know, I think about 75 metres would be about the maximum distance. No, nah, well, 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 the blueprint is Wagger, as Dan said. Uh, Greg Gangsworth is a Canadian, and he actually did it in Canada. And when they uh, when they came across a Saturday night meeting in March this year, <coughs> he decided to, to try it at Wagga. Uh, he tell, told me the, the following week it was the second largest crowd ever at that track. And uh, they uh, will follow the blueprint, uh, Matty. They'll run 20-metre heats into a 20-metre final. <laughs> and how long... What's the, let's put it this way. What's the record winning time for the Sausage Dogs over the 20 metres? I'm not too sure. The, the footies that I saw from Wagga, Matty, suggested that... Those that don't stop halfway and want to play or fight, um, they, they make the they make the finishing line, and uh, we'll have uh, we'll have they'll have bandanas, they'll have coloured bandanas, and we'll have cameras ready at the finishing finishing line to uh, 
adjudicate the placement. So how do you entice them to run straight and complete the race without sort of sniffing each other or turning sideways <laughs> or lying down or something like that? Are there owners at the other end going, come on, Spotty, come on? Yeah, exactly. So they'll have two handlers. So one handler is at the start with the dog and then the other handler is the finishing line. And they've got to control the dog to get to the finishing line any way they like, but they can't use toys. So they can yell out the dog's name, they can whistle, they can do what they like, but they can't use any, any uh, equipment like toys and that. So uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I've been training our... Well, we've got a rap, uh, Raffy is out that town, and while you're having Christmas lunch yesterday, I was putting Raffy for his patients, uh, patients down here at the Ocean Grove Beach, and... Um, I, uh, if I whistle, uh, he'll come, but I feel my whistle might be drowned out with, uh, with the other uh, dogs in the heat and their, their handlers. So it'll be interesting. How many in each heat, John? Uh, we've got more than 25 dogs registered and, and oh, we're goodness. still taking registration, Simone. You can just simply uh, jump onto the John Harness Racing Club Facebook page. The, uh, the registration forms there, fill that out. Uh, I suspect Simone will end up with about three or four heats into a final. Is there a bookie? I'm uh, not too sure the Barry Baker's on track tonight. He may well be. Because you've been doing sneaky trials with yours down at Jan Jack yeah. or somewhere, we've just heard. So Ocean Grove. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we need to know if there's a bookie, because then it gets very interesting. Because <laughs> there's obviously blokes like you who are going to try and make something out of this. <laughs> well, but, well, well, they have, at Indoor years, they have a, a dash and derby. And the word is that... Um, there's a couple of guys from Melbourne who bring up their dog, and he just wins all the time. And I'm sifting through the registration to see, but the male is they may well enter their dog. So if their dog comes up, they tell me it's a dollar oh four. No handicap. Uh, no handicap. No, all, all of the dogs themselves are the handicap. I think, uh, Dan. <laughs> hey, Danny. One little known factor about these friendly-looking little sausage dogs. I've got a lot of. They're very trendy. I'm down at McKent Stable, Nicky Burke's had them, and up at Gerald Egan's, they've got uh, sausage dogs. They're quite. I wouldn't say aggressive, but they're very territorial, aren't they? Like getting a group of sausage dogs together could lead to uh, a little bit of um, argy bargy amongst them. Yeah, they are. You're right. Look, one of the stipulations we have was, well, unless they're racing uh, or on the best-dressed red carpet, they'd be best-dressed uh, dog. Well, that's right. There's two, There's another competition, isn't there? The, the ones that race and also, like, yeah. the best-dressed competition as well. So un- unless they're racing or, or entering the best-dressed competition, they must be on a lead. But you're right, Matty. They are quite territorial. Uh, I've seen Rafi in action. The other thing, too, is they're, they're primarily hunters. So I reckon Raffy has caught about a half a dozen birds. I've not yet to see him catch one, but, geez, they must be quick to catch birds and, and that sort of thing. So uh, you're right, they're uh, territorial and they're hunters, but everyone loves a dash hound. Well, you only have to see the races at Sandown that they have the Afghan races there on cup nights and things, and the, the dogs go everywhere, and they've got a lure to chase as well, I think. They, do they have the lure... Not oh, sure. now I'm not they sure. had a Rottweiler race there uh, well, once. Shouldn't every breed? Jack Russell as well. Because everyone's got a different breed. I reckon there should be an option: the Labrador Classic, yeah. the the you know the Alsatian. They just lay down. They're too lazy, Labradors, aren't they? Well, it'd be interesting because it'd be nice to be able to walk around going, 
of a, you know how everyone thinks they've got the fastest version of the dog they've got? Like, we always thought, oh, you wouldn't believe it. Our Labrador is supersonic. It, we, <laughs> well, now you can prove Reno it. Now would be saying, well, come and talk to me when you've got something better than, wow, she's fast. You know, I don't want to hear if you've got the fastest Rotty or Yeah, but corgi. even if it's slow, <laughs> like the fastest Corgi, it's still the fastest Corgi, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, this is going to be a, a fun day. I, I'm looking forward to it, John, because I know you've got the pony trot races on the 22nd as well, so it's going to be a great family day. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a full-on day, yes. And then we've got, the, as you said, the pony trot races. Uh, there hasn't, hasn't been pony trot races at Geelong oh, oh, for about three years, so I'm very much looking forward to that. And also the Dash Hound Derby, Dash Hound Dash, brother. And, and, of course, you won't be the CEO then because I think this is your last meeting tonight. So there won't be a conflict of interest come the 22nd of January if, if Rafi does uh, take the gold medal in the, in the, the Dash Hound Dash. <laughs> yes, there'll be no conflict of interest, as you say, Dan. It'll be certainly... Um, no, we'll, we'll be there. I'm pretty sure our, our daughter, Gemma, will come down from Wagga and uh, we'll, uh, he'll be in training between now and uh, the 22nd of January, that's for sure. No, we'll look for markets on on tab in the lead up. Um, so, what are you going to be uh, getting up to now, uh, John? Uh, you've been terrific at uh, at Geelong. You've uh, made uh, well certainly the the dining area in itself um, a bit of support from the government as well. Some upgrades there. Uh, the crowds have increased. You've had an Inter Dominion night and a successful one at that. You must be pretty proud in a short time of what you've been able to achieve at Geelong. Which begs the question: Why are you going? Uh, look, um, our, our daughter and son-in-law run a uh, road traffic management company and uh, they've been at me for a while to give them a hand. They get, they're just getting one or two large contracts and it's a burgeoning business. So they, uh, I'm going to give them a hand to do that, but I won't be going away harness racing wise. Hopefully I'll still be writing you know, one or two stories a week for the website. And also I'm going to be doing a little bit of work for the VHRSC uh, when that new owner's room is completed in February. So, um, yeah, I'll still be around there. And that was one of your roles previously, the Victoria Harness Racing Club, but also that with the Geelong uh, Thoroughbred Racing Club as well. Yeah, I was lucky enough to spend nine years as the uh, business development manager at the Geelong Racing Club. And you mentioned before, uh, look, today it's uh, down here, it's around about 32 degrees. They will get six to 8,000. It was It's clearly the second largest day of the year behind the Geelong Cup Day, so... Um, and they, um, in fact, it might be too hot. The ideal day for a Boxing Day race meeting at John is 2021 when it's not quite warm enough for the beaks. And that's where a lot of the tourists and holiday makers uh, come, in, come to the races today. Yeah, you need that little weather pattern where it's not quite beachy but still nice enough to be at the races. I just wanted to ask you about that, Dunny, and we were talking about it earlier on in the program, and it's always been something that I've always wondered about strategically. Warnable has a a lot of meetings at this time of year to take advantage of the holiday crowds. So does Stony Creek, Woolamai. We're talking about the Sale Cup Greyhounds today that will tap into a sort of a holiday crowd down in Gippsland. What was the strategy with Geelong Racing Club, Ree, when to when to put the foot to the floor with, with meetings relating to coastal crowds? We uh, we promoted it uh, very much. Look, 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 it has a strong uh, following because it's, it's a day when Geelong people catch up for Christmas, so they often say, let's catch up at the Boxing Day races. So you've got that element, uh, which ensures a healthy crowd. And, uh, yeah, we promoted it heavily right down the, the Ballerine Peninsula on the surf coast with all the holiday uh, caravan parks and motels and hotels. We promoted the day heavily. So if the day did dawn, a 19 or 20-degree day, um, the two races now, the holiday makers have had something to do. Absolutely. Uh, just on a, on a slightly bigger picture sense as well, it's something that 
a few of us have been curious about in recent times about the relationship between racing in Geelong and the town of Geelong. And it's the second biggest city in Victoria. And I think a few of us have often thought that it, it hasn't quite the racing hasn't matched the, the scale of the town, the relationship with the community and even things like prize money for the Geelong Cup and support from the industry relating, you know, the prize money went to Mooney Valley instead of the Geelong Cup and, and things like that. And even as a training epicenter, I don't know what the room around the actual racetrack is or nearby, why Geelong hasn't, you know, we've seen Cranbourne and Pakenham grow but, and Ballarat, but Geelong just seems to be something that could, could be elevated a little bit in a number of ways. Do, do you feel that way or not? Yes, Maddie. When I was at the club, uh, we we lobbied heavily for it to um, for, for, for its status, and also lobbied heavily to be uh, make the Geelong Cup winner exempt from the ballot for the Melbourne Cup. But VRC would never agree to that, of course. But uh, as you know, for, for three or four years there, the Geelong Cup winner either won the Melbourne Cup or got narrowly beaten. So mm. it became an international race. And as I said, the club lobbied heavily to make it a, a race that you exempt from the ballot. If you won the Geelong Cup, you went straight into the Melbourne Cup. So that would have been a tremendous boon for the Geelong Cup, and it, it, it's, it's never transpired. Um, look, it's a, it's a big town. It's a, it's a, it's a town of three or three hundred and fifty thousand. Look, it's a, it's 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 a sporting town. It's a it's a, it's a very pro football town. And, it's uh, not a racing town, though, is it? I guess that's what I'm aiming at. Is when will it ever? Could it become a racing town, Geelong? Well it, well, it could, but as I said, the Geelong look at the Geelong Cup, Gallops Cup was elevated to a mm. uh, to an example. That would certainly help the Geelong Cup day. Uh, but look, it's like every harness racing club and, and racing club. You must engage with the community. It's probably the the, the prime focus should, should be of most club general managers and CEOs that somehow engage with the community because the, to that, this day and age. People have to have a reason to go to the races or the harness racing. So if you engage with the community uh, and, 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 and somehow tap into a certain community group, they'll come along. John, um, yeah, great day for the Gallops today, but also for the Trots. So it's a double header. So that's pretty important for, for Geelong. Uh, there's a number of uh, Metro class races tonight. Sokiola Sprint, you're like this, Simone. Loving a Chevy. Lance Justice is there. And he'd love to win the Sokiola Sprint. And the Trot race tonight is a ripper as well. Robbie Orber will be calling uh, the 11 race card. And the first is at 5.34. Enjoy, John. And I look forward to the, uh, the Dax and Dash on the 22nd of January. Thanks, Dan, and also big thanks to you guys for the support that you've given the Geelong Harness Racing Club over the three years. It's been very much appreciated. Our pleasure. pleasure. Oh, we rehearsed that. <laughs> Simone forgot to say it. She rehearsed it as well, but she didn't say our pleasure at the same time. Hey, good on you, Dunny. Thanks, Maddie. Just before we take a break, Dan, and Cosy, there might even be some SMSs on this because I think it's one of those subjects. I'm not. There may not be. If there isn't, don't worry about it. But Because uh, I, I grew up in Geelong, and it's always been about the cats, um, you know, Alcoa and Ford and all that sort of stuff. But I, the, the Golden Mile in Bendigo, it was, I, I think the club didn't quite maximise what they should have been able to do with community engagement to boost that crowd. They had the best race meeting of all time, but they never got the crowd. I, I think one of the areas, the greatest challenges and should be one of the highest priorities for every country club now is to improve the relationship between the club and the town, to, to convince the town that the racetrack is part of their lives, you know, and I don't, I don't think enough have done that in recent years. Smaller and, towns have been able to do that for a long period of time. Yeah, but then then the, the flow of people, the, the people leave those smaller yeah. towns and come to the city and then that relationship breaks down a bit. But Geelong, second biggest city 
let's let's get it happening and let's make yeah. it feel like a racing team. I agree with you because it's all about football in Geelong. Yeah. It always has been. I've yeah. grown up in Geelong. I've gone to school in Geelong. And, yeah. um, the same for me. I, I feel exactly the same way. It's almost like you wouldn't even know that we have a race course unless yep. you have to go out to East Geelong for some reason. And then it's stuck in the... The industrial type area. Look at a Melbourne Cup winning trainer who has a stable yeah. at Geelong in mm. Danny O'Brien. Yeah. I mean, and you've got all these farms down there on the peninsula and you've got, you got, you've actually got trainers who are training horses on beaches down oh, at 13th Bowen, Beach. Bowen Heads. Um, yeah. it's a big racing community down there. And you look at the harness racing and greyhound track, they're right beside each other on the way into yep. Geelong coming off the highway. Yep. Um, perhaps there's, that's, more pronounced. People see that more than they know about the racetrack. Well, maybe they need a nighttime thoroughbred racing venue. Well, that's been argued. There's too much in the east and not enough in the west, and I think that would be a, a piece of the puzzle that would help if the lights were on. You know how you, you know, when you come into Geelong from any direction, and when there when the when there's something happening at Cadinia Park, it's illuminated. It'd be yeah. lovely to see. Uh, anyway, I'm, that's a challenge for I think all of us agree. Mm. Challenge to the yeah, racing industry to. Um, make Geelong what it should be over the next decade. Yeah, like our response to John Dunn a moment ago. We're all in unison. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Andrew Payne to talk about that memorable 1996 great jockey switch. This is RSN cracking the codes. It's 21 minutes to 11. There was a really weird thing that happened at the Caulfield races on Boxing Day in the Christmas Stakes. What was it, Dan? 96. Jesus, getting old. And it was a funny thing to see because no one quite knew what was going on. And then we saw the, as I said before, Flip's photos uh, captured the image of the carnage and uh, the pattern, Andrew Payne and uh, all sorts of things going on. It was like a scene from the Wild West. Uh, before Andrew Payne joins us to sort of rekindle the memories, because um, we've got this little grab that sort of half sort of sums up the chaos of the day. Then comes Cogitate for the back, Rainbow Division, New Smyrna, Hong Kong star. Over on the outside, Ben's Rocket, Southridge is a mile back. Cogitate's lost its rider there, and the rider of Hong Kong star was very lucky to stay on his feet in the straight. Uh, that was Brian Blackmore, the late, great Brian Blackmore, sort of summing up that there was something going on there that was most unusual, and part of it was Andrew Payne, who's been kind enough to join us. Uh, Andrew, how are you? Um, good, thank, good, thank you, Matthew. Yeah, well, it was confusing for us, and we just played a little grab, but just take us back through what the hell happened in that Christmas stakes that year. Well, the, the key points I remember um, of it, I gave some pattern falling, and then I saw, in, in the split second, I saw him holding on and looking at me, and uh, next second, more, I become unbalanced, and I, saw, and I thought, oh, here goes a race fall. And then I saw the pommel of the saddle with no rider. Um, cogitate, uh, sorry, the horse cogitate. And my hands literally just did it for me. They just took after this pommel of the saddle. And I just grabbed hold of that and, 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 you know, probably just reflexed and hopped on it. I went about 50 metres after that and I actually just started laughing down the straight, thinking, I just can't believe I'm on this horse. And then as I pulled up, all the other riders are asking me who come off, who, and uh, I said Jason Patton came off, and I fell onto his, and they they couldn't get what I was saying. And then I thought maybe no one noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> How did you ride the horse from then on, Andrew? Because obviously, you know, the horse is not going to be. Well, it considered... did mis- didn't miss a beat, did no, it? No, it, it didn't. Didn't even miss a stride. But you know, you can't. Well, even if you were to win the race, you don't win the race. Yeah. You know, so. 
was going through your mind when you're actually on this horse? He hadn't missed a stride. He was super quiet and just kept going. Did you just, like you said, you were laughing. Did you just enjoy it and think this is something that will never happen again, hopefully? Well, it's funny because he was a really big, strong horse and he was so comfortable as I was going down the straight. He liked you know, so he didn't move a muscle. Yeah, I do have a regret, you know, um, that I didn't try and make an effort for him to, you know, to come home. That would have been a bit better, but um, that's the only regret I have of it. But, um, yeah, I certainly enjoyed uh, He was very comfortable for to ride with your feet out of the irons. It can be quite uncomfortable, but he was actually comfortable. <laughs> Is it a story that, like, we're talking about it over 20 years later. Is it a story that comes up at every Christmas dinner and family function out at the pub with mates? Is it just... Keep, do you keep reliving this time and time again? It's funny. I, I I literally don't get six months without it being brought up somewhere. It, it'd be for, uh, however many times a year since it's happened. Uh, I, I don't think I've had a free year or free six months where it hasn't been brought up. I don't mind it, but it's it's just funny. It never it, it's constantly gets getting brought up. Well, you come out of it looking like a Wild West hero too, so it's not an embarrassing one for you. It's one where you go, well, <laughs> well, let me tell you about horsemanship. And um, what? just tell us about the aftermath. When you all sort of wandered back to scale and the stewards are there and the reception, how did the stewards, for instance, deal with what happened? Well, first of all, I got back to the, the connections of Cogitate and Quinny Scott with his dry sense of humour. Just said, how did you go, Jock? <laughs> I started on his horse. And, um, and uh, then we all started laughing. I didn't even get to finish what I said. But uh, then by the time we got into the stewards' room and they attempted a, a bit of an inquiry about it, and it, it literally was just everybody laughing. And and uh, they took a tiny bit of evidence from each, all of us, and that was it. And out the door we went. And Jason, of course, was your brother-in-law for a long period of time. Was he then at that stage, or or he certainly close to it if he wasn't? Therese, married to Therese, yep. yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure they could have been married. I remember thinking that um, he was my uh, my brother-in-law. But, but the funny part was, um, Brett Preble, he actually started the chain reaction, and the, <laughs> who, who was my brother-in-law, he started the uh, chain reaction. So it was a family oh, yeah. affair. Yeah. yeah. And probably not the most dramatic uh, family incident, given your annual Christmas parties are always close to punch-ons, uh, which brings us to yesterday, Andrew. So the pains always get together, um, and you and Patty always seem to seem to sort of get a bit physical at these things. I'm not saying you leap across the table and, and have punch-ons, but it's it's got close to that before. You're a volatile unit. Tell us about the pain Christmas yesterday. Anything to report? A relatively tame... Um there was a little bit of a, a few upset people um, through the selection process. With, uh, we played T-ball this year. Right, because um, there's always some sort of sporting contest, isn't there? That's for sure. And, and uh, there's no, um, there's quite ruthless when it comes to thinking no one cares about anyone's feelings. So Michelle didn't get picked? She got picked last and she was very upset. <laughs> and, um, I've won the bloody Melbourne Cup and you're picking me last for T-ball. Was it something like right. that? And a 100 to 1 winner Saturday too. Oh, let's not talk about that one. But we we tried to make up for it and pick her first for the um, tug of war, but she was just equally unimpressed about that. <laughs> no, she she could she could drop the lip a little bit on those things, I would imagine. Hey, just on nearly did. On this winner on Saturday, a little bit later on this morning, Dan and I are going to replay Ethan Brown's comments to us on uh, race day mornings on Saturday, where he said, "Oh, 
we said you're writing A, B and C, and he said, don't forget D here, this 100 to 1 chance, and Michelle's very keen on this. And then Ethan Brown sent me a text later that night with a thumbs up and a Christmas tree. Um, but I sort of ignored it. Did I believe little, um, little sister, no, she's your, is she older than you or younger than you? No, she's younger. She's younger. Little sister was very keen on that winner on Saturday. She was actually, she, she rang on the way down and she said, oh, I'm going to, I think I've got a great chance today. I'm going to get Ethan to do this, go to the front and just keep increasing. And, but Michelle's very optimistic. So I'm pretty used to these stories, but, um, is she a tipping but, machine? Oh, no, no, not. I'll give her credit. She 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 told. I watched with interest because she told me how it was going to play out, and I have to say she she uh, she got it bang on. She nailed it. I'm a, bracing myself for an abusive text from your sister. Actually, this is about the time where she'd fire up. Um, hey, um, how's your career going? I, I I saw you and Michelle at the funeral of a mutual friend of ours a couple of weeks ago, which was a very sombre sort of experience. And uh, you and I were having a bit of a chat about your training career and other things. We fondly recalled uh, a little uh, encounter we had in Hong Kong many years ago, which we'll, we'll leave out. But uh, uh, um, how's your career going? You're a terrific trainer and you're just sort of trying to work on your numbers a bit, aren't you? Uh, yeah, look, I have to say, when I first started training in my early 20s, I was very happy with the way I kicked off. And then I started chopping and changing things. And I've got to be honest, I did lose my way a bit. Um, but I'm, I'm on the way back to, um, like, it's been horrendous, to be honest, the last few years, but I'm not a person who gives up, and I'll, I believe I'll be back, and I'll be, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Look, I love my job. I uh, still haven't lost the passion for training, so. What was, what's been the hardest part? Um, I did, look, I, early on, I had a couple of good horses. Um, I had a, a good horse called Tim in LaBelle's, and he ran second in the Adelaide Cup for me, and, and I didn't get longevity out of my horses early on, and I changed it for that reason, but then I had to change everything. And it, um, I did lose my way a little bit, to be honest, but I have full confidence that I'll get back to where I was. But, yeah, basically, I, my aim was to get the longevity out of the horses. Like, you know, I see people, they go to the sales, they, they buy a horse for 120000 at their pride and joy, and can go into a big stable. I'm, and can be a bit of the production, but I, I just, my aim is for that pride and joy to be, you know, given every chance to get there. Well, your sister's a hard marker, and she once told me that there is no better horseman in the family and trainer than you, so you've certainly got the skill, and now you've got the uh, in, the mojo back, so we look forward to it. Uh, Andrew, great pleasure talking to you as always. I'm glad that no one died at the family party yesterday. On or Christmas in that Day. fall, of course. Yeah, and Michelle will get picked for T-ball one day. She's just got to improve her, um, her performance, <laughs> I guess. And as they say, no pain... No game. No, that's exactly right. You always come up with those. <laughs> yeah, things, and they're always gold. Um, <laughs> good on you, Andy. Thanks, mate. Thank you. And we'll leave you. We'll leave you with another memory of uh, of that amazing incident. Then comes Cogitate for the back rainbow division. New Smyrna, Hong Kong star. Over on the outside, Ben's Rocket Southridge is a mile back. Cogitate's lost its rider there, and the rider of Hong Kong star was very lucky to stay on his feet in the straight. Loving their racing, pacing and chasing. Matt Stewart, Dan Maliki and Simone Fisher. Cracking the codes. Out deep on the track was Mr. Chatter's falling send to gear up. He's got back through the field. With well back was Spearfell and last of all was Shining Star. A great race getting up on the inside. Mr. Chatter's grabbed the lead. The year brand around the 
Dragon Red faces swung wide. Mr. Treaders in front. The year brand are drawing out, but Mr. Treaders wins the cup. And that was the 1989 Sail Cup wow. when it was run over 424 metres. It's got a rich history sail. It began back in 1970 and it's had a number of distance changes. But it is tonight to be run over the 650 metres again. The richest country cup, $75,000 to the winner of Group 1. And joining us this morning on Cracking the Codes to tell us all about it is the general manager there, Peter Johnston. Good morning, Peter. G'day, Simone. How are you? Good. Uh, how are things down Gippsland Way, gearing up for a, a big day, a big night of racing and great weather, and no doubt you'll have a, an enormous crowd again at sale. Trying to fit everyone in is probably the biggest challenge. Yeah, that's always the biggest uh, challenge, as you know, Simone, being, being here new, numerous times. And you look at the glorious day here. It's 29 and a half degrees already. Uh, and around about 7 o'clock tonight when the first race kicks off, they reckon it'll be about 27. So you couldn't ask for a nicer night. You've got a, a celebrity from the AFL who'll be across the Gippsland Carnival of Chasing or Festival of Racing as well in Gary Ablett Jr. So if people aren't coming to see the Greyhounds, no doubt they'll be coming to see him. They certainly will. For money. Look, uh, yeah, Gary's been a great, great get for us here in Gippsland for uh, the um, am- ambassador for the whole carnival. And um, probably the only bad news they're going to have for everyone else, me being a one-eyed Geelong support, I'm just going to lock him in my office all night um, and not... <laughs> and not let him out. So. <laughs> How did you get him? I mean, Gary Ablett Jr. was very hard to get as a player in a media sense and all that, and his father was even harder. How did you nail Gary Ablett Jr.? Oh, we sort of knew someone that knew someone that knew someone. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, yeah, made lots of phone calls, um, offered him something that he couldn't knock back, and um, we've been, up, been able to get him. So, yeah, look, it's a, it's a, real, a really good get. And a lot, the interest is just amazing, um, as you obviously know one. Um, yeah, Gary's uh, created uh, lots and lots and lots of um, headlines everywhere he's gone. Well, I'm going to tell you a little story back in my childhood. I used right. to hang out. Oh, Dad used to play football for Lara, so Lara were the Lara Cats. And um, I used to do the footy clinics there. I wasn't really interested that much, but it was something we just did. And one night we went to a training session at Cadinia Park. And I probably would have been about 10 at the time, I reckon, and... Um, we were there and we were walking, I don't know what areas, but obviously through where the players were and Gary Ablett Senior was on the massage table having a massage. And I remember getting, I got his autograph and I've got a little booklet with autographs of all these Geelong players and I don't know whether it would be worth any money, but I've kept it. You got a massage, you got a, his autograph a when he was being oh, massaged. it must have been after. He was, I remember him, but I have got hey, his autograph. that's a good get, because Gary Ablett Senior was never one for that, a bit no, like Tony Lockett. So Simone's right. nailed it there. Yeah. She's nailed it. So, she has absolutely, absolutely nailed it. So we've, we've actually got some auction gear tonight too that, um, we'll get a, uh, pair of footy boots that's been signed by Gary Ablett Senior and Junior together. So that's one of the auction prizes here tonight. So, yeah, there's about five or six things we're going to auction off for the uh, for, for Gary as well. So that'll be interesting to see how that market goes. Pete, the, the cup field's terrific. Look, it usually is. It's no shock. I mean, even the outsider of the field's listed at $23, so it looks like they've all got a chance. But I'm also fascinated with the race after, the match race. And, and the match races that I've seen in Greyhound Racing... Um, over the last couple of years, have been enthralling. So set up this match race for us, race nine. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting race, it is. Um, a couple of really good, really good greyhounds there. And it's, it's amazing when those match races have been happening. I think I've been, um, probably the last couple of years I've been around. It's amazing there's nothing in them. So, you know, look, I'm, I'm expecting um, Extreme Jewel to be in front and take a few patsy just on the outside and 
probably go head-to-head across the line and Lakeview Patsy to get it by about uh, a length, I reckon. Well, it's going to be another great spectacle, and particularly for greyhound people who haven't been to the greyhounds before, and you often get a lot of people at the Boxing Day sale races that haven't been to the greyhounds. They're holidaying in the area like we spoke of earlier, these regional towns, and it's just a night... Aside from the racing, it's just a great night, isn't it, Peter? There's You have a band, you have activities for the kids, but people are just wanting something to do after Christmas and getting together with friends and family that they may not have seen yesterday. And they seem to congregate at sale, and it just builds this atmosphere every year. And then, of course, the racing, the sale cup, the richest country cup, a group one, 75000 to the winner. So terrific prize money as well. And you've got a few local hopes in the field this year as well. Yeah, no, we have. It's good to see. Yeah, Des Douch has got um, Alpine Butterfly. Who, um, he was absolutely stoked to draw the red box. And we've also got Lady Lily Hook in as well. So um, it's really good to see some locals. We've also got, obviously, Yachi Bale, Melbourne Cup winner. Great get for the for, uh, for sale to have him represented in the, in the uh, South Cup as well. And then, obviously, last year's winner, Jared Bale. Um, hopefully, Dog can go back-to-back. Back. So it's it's an intriguing field. Amazing the amount of pace to that first turn, Simone. You know our track fairly well, and yeah, look, it's going to be interesting. Um, the probably race is going to be probably one or run in the first probably 220 metres. Um, if you're out wide in that first turn with all that early pace, you might get pushed out there. So it's just going to be an absolutely extraordinary race. It always is. But the thing about the sale track, and for people that watch the Greyhounds, there, it's it's really intriguing. Greyhounds going into the home turn and coming out into the home straight. You can be in front and something behind. It's not even an interference problem. It's just the design of the track. It's very it, unique, it is. isn't it? But that's all about yeah. to change as well. It is. It is all about to change. A good, uh, good segue, Simone. Yeah, we're uh, yeah, look, um, unfortunately or fortunately, we uh, have our last race meeting next Monday, public holiday for Australia Day, um, and then we'll be shut for about nine months. Um, yeah, which is going to be good for the track, probably not so good for us as a business, but um, we'll survive that. So, yeah, complete rebuild. So everything will be knocked down. So it'll go from resurfacing to rails to irrigation to new lighting to new everything. So, um, yeah, look, hasn't been a lot done here for about 34 years. So um, it'll be good to have some nice new facilities for all of, obviously, trainers, greyhounds, and um, we're the only track in uh, Victoria that hasn't got a new irrigation system. So it'll be nice for our track, track maintenance team to have that as well. And what's the shape? layout of the track going to look like? Are you keeping it fairly similar? Because it's been a track where you don't seem to have a lot of injuries. Um, and like we mentioned, the running, an intriguing track to race at for the the result at the end. So is it yeah, going look, to be there's not going to be it's not going to be a massive amount of change. And look, unfortunately, we're landlocked. So we've got a road on one side, we've got the railway line on the other side, and we've got the venue on the other side. So we haven't got a huge amount of land to work with. Um, so we're coming to our first turn off the 440 start. Um, there'll be a, tra- a transition built into that. Um, the track will be wide, widened there and all the way around the back straight as well. Um, a few little distance trains, so changes. So uh, tonight will be the last running of the uh, 650-metre sale cup. So next year it'll be 640. Um, our 440 start will become 435, and our 520 start will become 513. So there's just a, a few small small changes with the track. Yeah, it's been a, a very popular track with trainers. Look, we're wishing you all the very best tonight there, Peter. I know it'll be a huge night. It always has been a great vibe down there at Sale. And anyone who's listening in the area, head along to the Sale Greyhounds tonight and go and if you meet, get a chance. go and meet God Junior. 
Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, you. Matt. Thanks, Simone. Yeah. Much, much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Baby Peter. Jesus, and, effectively. And Baby Jesus' hometown picnic meeting was wiped out today. Druin. Druin. Mm. So I think had Druin remained on, it might have been a bit more complicated to get him down to the sale today, but uh, tonight, but... Um, yeah, th- there is no Druin picnic meeting today. So for those who are thinking, oh, I'm going to go to the picnics, don't. And Simone, thank you very much. I think the gift that you gave us is very soxy. So uh, enjoy the rest of your Boxing Day. Matt, we're going to go through Saturday race day morning. We've got a lot of guests lined up. Harry Coffey's just texted me to say I'm good to go in half an hour. Excellent. And we'll be uh, going on all the uh, meetings today uh, in Victoria. And when you think of a, a venue like Nil, it's Nil Cup Day today. What about this horse and the, the places where he won? Um, Vianden won two nil cups, two witchy-proof cups, a Burren Beat Cup, a Great Western Cup, and a Hanging Rock Cup. He was a country horse of the year. He was a legend. Michelle Payne just texted me and said, can you please send me the link to the Andrew interview? She wants to take legal action about it. <laughs> the punch-on might start well, on Boxing and Day. and the fact that she never got a gig with the T-ball, you know, so... There, she's going to get her lawyers to pour over it. Maybe we could have her on codes one day and that might suffice. Yes. Well, there's a request, Michelle. Can you yep. please come on codes one day? You can tell we us about that 100 to 1 winner you had yesterday. Mm. She's right. very hard to get these days. Oh, well, she might just. She's a movie star. Yeah, she is a she movie is. star indeed, and rightfully so. Thanks, Simone. Enjoy your day. I hope you've enjoyed cracking the codes, everyone. Uh, as we go out of the show, here's a replay of the great country horse Vianne and winning, and Matt and I will be back with Monday. Boxing Day, race day shortly. Around the home turn, Lockie's a star pressured by Viandon and Coffee's gone for home. He dashed away Viandon. He put two or three lengths on Lockie's a star, all about attitude. Even more action and down the outside is Costalone, but at the 150, Viandon's a mile in front. He's going to make it back to back nil cup victories. Five clear from Lockie's a star. Battling along is even more action with Costalone, but Viandon does it again. Viandon by four lengths on either Lockie's a star or even more action with Costa Londo runs.